Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Full Pelt Music Podcast. Shortly, I will be joined by Pet Knees to chat about their most recent album, Primetime Entertainment. Before then, though, the usual reminders from myself. If you would, please do follow Full Pelt on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening. Welcome everyone to the Full Pelt Music Podcast. Absolutely delighted today to be joined by Johnny from Pet Needs. Um, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey Paul, I'm good, man. I am currently sitting in a kind of um, a campsite. I'll take my phone off and say in, in a campsite. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm in the van uh, in a campsite in Huntington Boat Haven, um, which is near Cambridge. We did a show um, over in Birmingham last night. Um, and then drove here. We've got a friend that owns a static caravan, so we're kind of crashing here. Um, it's the joy of touring the UK, really, is that you can kind of rely on friends a little bit more, and we keep ending up in loads of interesting places. Um, so I'm good. It's very calm. Um, I've just been eating hobnobs. I've got a coffee down here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all good, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, no, we're, we're fantastic and absolutely delighted to have you on, because as you touch upon, you are on tour at the moment. So um, you're out with Frank Turner, um, obviously, you know, a great friend of the band. Um, and um, you're about five dates in, six dates in. Yeah, we've done. Uh, yeah, we've done five. Uh, yes, we've done five. No, six. We've done six now. Um, and uh, yeah, they've been great so far. They've been really cool. Um, we did Brixton Academy the other day, um, which is absolutely mind-blowing. That's one of those three venues. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I think actually, and um, I wasn't expecting it, um, but we did Birmingham last night. And I think it was show of the tour. And um, yeah. I think it's because a lot of people didn't know who we were there. So it felt like um, we were really winning in this really cool like three-tiered building and it had this real kind of like, old theatre vibe and um yeah it's brilliant but the whole tour has been great um and we're touring with a band called truck stop honeymoon as well who are a, a husband and wife duo from kansas who now live in wales um who are just incredible people so we're, yeah having the best time yeah well we're going to be heading along to the cambridge show which is the next show on the on the stop to, no, uh, to review it so we're really looking forward to that uh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so we get to hang out in person then. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. So yeah, you you kind of touched upon it, but you know, how are you finding the tour? You know, and getting back into a proper fully fledged tour in the UK again. Um, it's so different because we've just done two months in the USA, um, where we did one drive between shows that was twenty one hours long. Um, and there's so many different, like I'm vegetarian, well, I'm pescatarian, but like predominantly vegetarian when you're eating out. Um, and just trying to like find vegetarian food in America was really challenging and stuff. Um, and America's kind of, uh, so much of everything. Like we met the best people in the world because we were seeing America through playing punk shows, uh, yeah. which is really, really cool. But then also it's huge and it's massive and it's loud <laughs> and it's crazy. Um, and then we've gone from that and now uh, doing a tour of the UK where our last drive was from Nottingham to Birmingham and it was one hour, ten minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're actually being able, not instead of just having to drive from venue to venue, we'll be able to see a little bit more of the country. And um, yesterday, we just, like, we get um, £10 a day. It's called a buyout. So when you're on tour, you get £10 a day for food. And we went for a carvery. And we, like, <laughs> ate all the vegetables and stuff and we felt so good after doing that um so yeah it's really cool and we can keep like bumping into different friends all around the uk as well which is great and it's really good to be 
back in front of English crowds and being in front of English crowds of this size for the first time as well, because we kind of popped off and did Europe and then did America. So this is our first time back in the country that we live. So, yeah, it's really cool, man. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, we'll touch on the new album in a moment because, you know, that, that's a, a major thing that's happened for you guys recently. But, you know, just sticking with, you know, the touring at the moment, I know you also did a second uh, edition of the Borrowed Toothpaste Tour, um, which is, you know, basically, you know, you booking shows in people's houses and, and going around. And obviously, you know, the juxtaposition between that and playing Brixton Academy and Rock City, obviously another legendary venue that you've yeah. just played, um, you know, obviously shows the dexterity of both, you know, the band and the music that you um, obviously perform. You know, how has that been for you to, you know, to go from kind of one extreme to the other there? Um, I think, well, actually, it's um, doing the big gigs are a lot more predictable because your set's kind of similar um, every night and you kind of know the kind of tricks that work and you're going out in front of an audience, you know kind of what's going to happen backstage and everything. Um, during the Borough Toothpaste tours, every single show is different. Like we played a really hippie kind of like seated show in someone's back garden. We played some kind of like uh, chaotic flat parties and stuff. Um, and every single one's different and their shows are just completely owned by our fans as well. Um, so what I love about Borrowed Toothpaste is that it is it, you actually have that real kind of like sense of complete adventure with it because you don't know what you're going to walk into. And also that's how we actually got to know the place that we're staying now is that we played in a place called Huntingdon and we uh, were booked a place on this campsite. And then we went out on, it's our friend Hamish who booked it um we he like lives on a boat and we went out on his boat and went to the pub and stuff um so you see so much uh more of people's lives when you're doing a borrowed toothpaste it's so cool um and then doing this big tour is definitely kind of uh a lot more professional in the fact that it's all kind of like a lot more regimented and um frank's team are like super 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 pro um but then you also get that rush of like, yeah, walking out at venues like Rock City, which I was born in Nottingham. So that was like always the venue yeah. that uh, kind of I really, really wanted to play. Um, so, yeah, both are amazing. And then we're doing a, a UK headline tour, which I think is going to kind of mix both of them um, in December, where we're playing kind of 100, 200 cap venues. Yeah. Um, and when you're at that size, a lot of the venues are really different from each other. So, yeah, that's going to be really cool as well, man. Yeah, no, definitely. You're, you're certainly getting, you know, to see the world and, you know, experience some amazing things over the last, you know, uh, six months or so. I mean, the last time we spoke um, was on the Discover New Music podcast on your the release of your first album. Um, and I, I should acknowledge the fact that you're the first band to progress from that podcast to this podcast, our main podcast for the more experienced acts. So, um, you know, well done. Obviously shows... You know, some level of career progression, I suppose, for what it's worth. Um, but obviously, delighted to have you, you know, you, you back on. Um, and speaking of those experiences, obviously, America, you know, it, that's a bucket list for, for many, many bands. And obviously, getting to go out and do that, especially after, you know, the two years of the pandemic, you know, as I say, last yeah. time we were talking, we were just coming out of, you know, bands not really being able to play shows. So, you know, what was the experience like for you in America? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you so much for having us on this podcast. That's really cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool, really cool to know. Um, America was uh, it's just incredible. Like, it's like we did so many things that we never thought we would do. And we kind of 
did it all ourselves. We like tour managed ourselves. We drove ourselves, which I thought was really important because you really got to see the country. And um, we did things like we just drove through Yellowstone National Park while like wild bison were running around. Um, we like we got free tickets to Disney World just by chance, like free VIP pass tickets to Disney World. Like we played in Las Vegas. We were like it was like everything was just nuts. We played at the Wilton in Los Angeles, and you could wow. open the door and you just see the see the Hollywood sign um and it felt weirdly like this kind of a weird like I know everyone would say oh it feels like a dream it like literally felt like you were dreaming sometimes you were having so much sensory information coming in all the time um and like so many things that you'd seen on films and stuff and weirdly just being around people that spoke with an American accent all the time like you just felt like you were like in a film um but I think what was really cool is that we kind of saw momentum build as we were going around as well. We started up in New England and um, American audiences are super welcoming and super supportive of support bands. Um, but as we went around the tour, because we were there for two months, we saw like more and more people turning up in Pet Needs t-shirts and then more and more people singing along. And I think it kind of climaxed in our second to last show, which was um, in Las Vegas. Um, I think that's a bit of a holiday destination as well. It felt like hundreds of people who'd seen us all the way around for the rest of the two months came down to that show. Um, and it was amazing. And like, yeah, just cannot wait to get back. So I'd say America's a really interesting place. It's an interesting place, like politically and stuff. But we were so lucky that we got to meet people through playing punk shows because every single like state that we went to, uh, we got to like dive into the subculture and meet some of the best people in the world. So yeah, it's really awesome, man. Yeah, no, absolute incredible experience. And, you know, as, you know, we, we spoke a lot last time around, you know, the DIY like ethos of the band and you mm. know how important it is, you know, to sort of, you know, be building yourselves up, um, you know, through your own work. And obviously, you know, I'm guessing there might have been a moment or two on that tour where you just had to pinch yourself and, and think, wow, you know, this is, you know, not saying, no, oh, we've made it or, or anything like that, because obviously, you know, it's still very hard for musicians out there at the moment. But, yeah, there must have been a, a, you know, a few highlights on that tour for you. Yeah, it was just like, it was, I think the biggest thing was that I just felt real pride for the boys as well, because we were offered a tour manager for the tour, and they were saying, um, we asked kind of, what will a tour manager do? And they said, well, they'll just make sure you get to the right places at the right time and make sure you've got everything you need and stuff. I was like, well, we've kind of been doing that ourselves for six years, so let's just see if we can do it. Um, and the fact that everything just kind of like... Um, like working out on merch stock and sending on merch and making sure that we'd booked all the right hotels and got to the right places at the right time and everything. And then just driving ourselves as well. Um, we were completely our own machine. And so I was just so proud of the boys um, and myself, uh, like uh, doing it successfully, <laughs> making, making sure that it worked. Um, I think, yeah, I think going to Disney World was the biggest kind of like <laughs> pinch yourself moment. <laughs> Because um, we just got a uh, Instagram message off um, of a girl called Chloe, who'd been been to the show the day before in Florida, and said, "Oh, like really enjoyed the set. Just to let you know that I work at Disney World, and I can get you free VIP passes whenever you want. Next time you're coming through town, kind of let us know, and we'll hook you up." And we were like, "We're literally in Florida right now, and we've got a day off. Can we come right now?" And like half an hour later, they'd like sent a car for us, and we were hopping in this car, not really knowing. Um, if this was legit or not so we were hopping in a car with a lady called Chloe who seemed really nice and it turned out she was really nice which was cool and then and suddenly we were 
sitting because we had Q jump and everything. We were suddenly sitting on a roller coaster, of which one I had no clue what the roller coaster did. Turns out it throws you backwards in the dark into this massive mountain. It's terrifying. <laughs> Two I hadn't been on a roller coaster for about fifteen years. So I just remember I think the biggest like how has life turned to this? Like how has kind of like writing little punk songs in my spare room on a battered acoustic guitar <laughs> turned into this when I was being pulled up this like ride that goes all the way around Mount Everest. I pulled up to the top and I had a, about a 20 second thought of uh, how was life turned to this and I had about two minutes of absolute terror when it just flung us backwards into the dark. Uh, yeah, but it was nuts. It was so cool. And then we got to play with some of our favourite bands as well. We toured with the Bronx as well as Frank yeah. Turner. Um, and they were amazing. And we learned so much from them about kind of like showmanship, but also how to tour well and the business side of stuff. They really took us under uh, their wing. And then toured... Um, like played with some incredible bands as well. I, I found a genuine new favourite band, a band called AJJ, who that we did three shows with, um, who were so vulnerable and so kind of, like their music's really kind of anxiety ridden, but then it's delivered with such kind of passion and ferocity as well. Um, and it was amazing. So yeah, the whole experience was incredible. And we met amazing people and we really want to go back out there. Yeah. before our visas run out <laughs> <laughs> well the, yeah the visa aspect kind of brings me on to the the next question actually because you know again talking about what it's like to be um you know a diy band and obviously do this work yourselves you've just been across to europe um and yeah. um obviously you know there's additional uh problems for uk artists getting across to europe now yeah how did you find oh, the challenge gotcha. of getting across there oh my god paul so <laughs> Ever since, I mean, you've always had to do this from America. We didn't know any of this because we've only started traveling recently. Um, but the biggest thing um, is that you have to have this thing called a carnet form. It's really frustrating um, because, one, you have to pay for it. You have to pay hundreds of pounds for it. Um, but then you have to go to this place where all the truck drivers go, um, and they have to check that all the music gear that you're bringing in is all the gear that you say you're bringing in. Um, and then like you have to have everything signed off and everything. The whole process can take like an hour to do. Um, and you have to do it when you leave the UK and then when you arrive in France as well. And it's so frustrating because if like George has just changed his amp recently. And so we've had to go through the whole process again of getting a whole new form and getting everything changed. Um, and so it's just something it's more expensive for bands to tour and it's, a massive pain as well to have to do all that kind of paperwork stuff which is pointless like everyone on the border knows it's pointless we know it's pointless um but then i think the hardest thing as well is that you can bring no merch over with you either mm. so you have to now we have to have contacts in germany where we get our t-shirts printed in germany and then sent to us in germany as opposed to having them all printed just in the uk and this time we went for uh, just for one show which means that we printed like a small batch, which means that printing costs, um, which are already going up anyway because of kind of like materials and stuff. Um, printing costs are more expensive once we're out there. Also, we've kind of like got to drive and pick things up from different places. And it just makes something that used to be, I was talking to um, Dan and Lorna from Skinny Lister about this actually. And they said that they went to tour Europe once and um, this was about 10 years ago. And one of them had forgot their passport and they were able to show a picture of their passport and be let kind of still let across yeah. the border. But now kind of everything is just so, 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 so tight. Um, and it just feels unnecessary as well. So yeah, it makes touring um, ridiculously hard. And then if you add on to that as well, kind of um, 
venue merch fees as well um just kind of it's we're kind of at the moment experientially and culturally and like mentally the richest people in the world because we get to do so so many cool things um but then financially it's so hard <laughs> it's so hard and kind of like having uh things like Brexit like really kicking us and then like um like venues taking uh kind of a big percentage of our main income which is merch is uh really hard um so we're kind of at the point at the moment where we're having conversations like do we have to get day jobs kind of in January um or are we just going to try and look to try and still just keep touring and keep kind of trying to uh, sell those t-shirts you know yeah. <laughs> which the latter is the one that I really want to do because that means we can still stay professionally creative um yeah but we'll see, we'll see what happens. yeah it's obviously a, it really is a tough time for everyone and you know the music industry has been particularly hit with you know everything that's been going on brexit and the cost of living and, and you know uh, you talk about you know the the merch um uh, taxation almost from venues you know when you're performing at venues and that's quite a hot topic at the minute you know i did notice i think it was last night the big moon uh were playing a show at the forum in kentish town and decided they needed to sell their merch from a pub down the road because obviously that's gonna oh. give them more you know uh, which again you know is a nice diy move but you know we probably shouldn't be having to do that you know i shouldn't be having to do that you know um, but there's a bigger conversation there and you know we can go down a political rabbit hole really with um brexit and obviously the additional pressures on touring in europe i mean yeah mm. i imagine the people that voted brexit you know didn't uh expect you know um production of you know t-shirts to have to move out of the uk you know that clearly isn't yeah. what brexit was all of all about but again you know we, we could probably talk for hours about all of that and uh just drag <laughs> everyone down but you know we'll talk about something a bit more um enjoyable uh and of course Hi. that is your second album um so prime time entertainment is the title of it it's been out for about two uh or three weeks now and obviously listeners need to go and have a listen to it and check it out because it is really really good um you know first question obviously you know being your second album you know there's always a lot of that second album pressure um you know how how do you feel you know the recording process and everything compared with this album compared to fractured party music your debut album yeah so with fracture pipe music um it there was kind of less pressure because um we, well to be honest Paul, we didn't even really think animals were gonna hear it really it was kind of more of a we were right um completely for ourselves uh, the tracks on there we'd written them before we knew we were going to do an album so a lot of them we were like handpicking some of our favorite tracks then writing some extra tracks around them and actually the tracks that we wrote um, in the few weeks leading up to it were the ones that became the singles which is really interesting um, and then we just like went into the studio like I take on just like a battered like microphone when I was running around the room and stuff um, and then it got picked up afterwards um, so there was no real pressure with that um, we were told we had like a couple of years to record the second album and we ended up recording it like um, 11 months after we got the record deal and I think it's just because I had this newfound confidence and drive that someone had a belief in what we were doing um, and also it was in the middle of lockdown as well so I didn't have much else to do either and um, so it felt like um, the so songs just kept coming and coming and coming I was kind of felt uh, really lucky about that like I don't think we really had the difficult second album in the way that um other bands kind of feel that struggle however i am feeling the pressure of the difficult third album at the moment yeah. because it feels almost like because this is the first album where it's like 
right, I'm setting out to write an album this time. It almost felt like um, Fractured Party Music was a collection of songs from the past four years. And then this was all, like the first album that I'd uh, kind of like set out specifically to write. Um, and now I'm starting to get ideas for album number three, but I'm feeling uh, kind of a little bit intimidated about starting at the moment. Um, but with album two, we kind of, I didn't decidedly do it, but I think it might have been through being in, in lockdown and through being kind of like in my own head and with my own thoughts and stuff for a while. It was, uh, it's kind of like a lot more self-reflective, a lot more personal. Um, so that was the thing that was making me nervous was kind of like releasing things that are a lot more kind of, uh, exposing about myself and my own kind of like mental health and stuff into the world. Um, but it's like, it seems to have, uh, gone down really well, which I'm uh, excited about. And what I really like and what I wasn't expecting is that, um, some of the album tracks are a lot of people's favorite tracks, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, it's gone down well, man. I have to get it out in the world. Yeah. And you know, it must be, um, you know, um, kind of indication and, and catharsis and all that for you obviously you talked about you know you touched on some kind of heavy subjects you know especially mm. again mental health you know and i will say it you know for, for men is quite difficult to to talk about um it's obviously difficult for everyone but you know there's particular pressures on men um stiff up a lip and all that so you know it, it's great that we've got artists these days that are willing to um talk about it and obviously you know you will feel vulnerable in doing so and you've got that immediate reaction now because you've got social media um, and obviously you said, you know, that you think the reaction has been really, um, you know, positive and, and good. But, you know, how much attention did you tend to pay to that as you were putting the material and the album out? You know, what, are you checking social media? Are you talking to fans at shows and asking them what, what do they think of it? Um, so I said to myself that I wasn't going to uh, read reviews for the album this time. Um because last time we got one bad review for Fractured Party Music and then I read it about a hundred times <laughs> and I really kind of like just like and it was just it was a uh, woman who has her own blog in Ireland um, and I also know that music is completely this is a story that I was telling myself with the lead up to this album is the music's completely subjective all of my favourite bands, um, not everybody likes. If everybody likes you, you end up being like Coldplay or Ed Sheeran or <laughs> something, which is cool. Um, but I want to be fringe music and I want to be for people that feel they're a little bit more kind of on the edge. Um, well, I want it to be for everyone, really. But I want, yeah, I don't want it just be kind of like bland stuff that appeals to everyone. Um, then the very first review for uh, Primetime Entertainment came in. Um, and I read it and then the second one came in and I read it and then suddenly I was kind of like scrolling Twitter and Instagram and stuff to look at where we did tag. Um, so luckily, like, um, there's there's actually, weirdly, it's had less press this time than last time because we released the, the album, uh, like, unfortunately, the, directly the day after the Queen died. So, like, all press just kind of like went to like uh went to like the queen's death and the funeral and stuff um so it's had let well we kind of like got national press and stuff for album one um but the press that we've got for this one um it's uh kind of been overwhelmingly positive which is really cool um and it means a lot that i've been able to put so much of myself out into it um, and have a positive response which is good but i'm still trying to it's one of my own anxiety things and it's a really bad business to be in if I can't go with it. Um, but I'm still still trying to get to the point that if a bad review did come out, um, then I'd be absolutely fine with it as well because it's somebody's subjective opinion, which on paper I think I will be now. But 
we don't know until until it happens which it inevitably will do because it's art and it's subjective you know yeah definitely and it's going to depend on what mood you're in when you meet that review and read that review as well isn't it you sure. know, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure thing. um so you worked obviously with, with frank again on the album you know he helped produce the album uh and obviously you're still with extra mile recordings so we talked a bit about yeah. last time around and how fantastic they are you know so you know again what was the uh recording process like for you and working with people like that um so different to what we've done before like i was saying with fracture party music it was all about having that energy and having everything being very, very super like spontaneous and in the moment. Um, and then with this album, Frank said to me, um, okay, where are we going to do pre-production? I didn't even know what, I didn't know what pre-production was. I didn't know it was a thing. Once he explained it to me, we um, borrowed our local venue, Coda, from our friend Tristan on a Monday night when it's usually closed. And we kind of like set up on stage and played through the whole album live uh, we played each song twice in a row while Frank Turner was sitting there kind of like making notes like some kind of like punk rock Simon Cowell um, and not telling us what notes he was making either. And then we all sat around in a circle and like spoke about kind of like arrangements and melodies and guitar tones and all that kind of stuff. Whereas before we just ran into the studio and go, went like, went, here are the songs, let's go like that. Whereas this, we had so much more kind of like time thinking about stuff. And then like with Fracture Party music, most of the vocal takes, this is just like from my end, most of the vocal takes were just first take. If I sang it in tune, then it was in. Whereas um, this time we did like, maybe kind of like between 10 and 20 vocal takes for every single song. And it wasn't just about uh, singing it in tune. It was like Frank said, like, deliver this line like you're f throwing a wallet on a floor and then just walking out the room. And so, so it was like this really specific creative direction so he wasn't just being he wasn't directing us in yeah that's in tune next song which for fracture party music uh because we didn't have any money we had like less time as well so it was kind of because of time we just had to throw everything out um with this we had like over double the amount of time spent in the studio so it really gave, gave us breathing space um but you can tell with frank that he's like sat beside some of the best producers in the world i already uh massively respected him as a songwriter and even more than a songwriter really respect him as an arranger um and now just like being able to spend a couple of weeks with him in the studio i just think he's a genius producer as well so yeah it's great man really yeah cool. no excellent and um one of the lead singles that come out from the album was get on the roof so i just wanted to ask you cool. about that track in the you know what what are the meanings behind that song sure so um it was the first show that we ever played with frank and uh we were down in Devon at a place called The Big Sheep um, and it was an outdoor socially distant show. It was really kind of, it was good fun, but kind of post-apocalyptic in a way as well because you were playing to a field that could maybe hold about three, 4,000 people and there's about 600 people there and there was these big white circles, but it sounds ridiculous now, yeah. but there's these big white circles painted on the grass and six people could be inside a circle and that was it and the circles weren't allowed to kind of like touch each other or intermingle or anything um and we played that show um but it was the first time in our whole entire life um that we'd ever had a rider um and i remember we had like prong cocktail crisps um and beer and water and i think i think it was our whole rider but it was so excited to have a rider um and then like after the show 
obviously we were like kind of and we still do now we were like kind of because otherwise it's going to go in the bin we were like right let's get the rest of the rider and like we got all the prawn, prawn cocktail crisps and the boxes of beer and chucked them in not even our van in our car at the time we were literally driving around in a car with a roof box on um and then i drive home woke up on the uh Saturday and me and my wife Lorna we don't have much garden space but we've got a kind of a sloped roof that comes outside our um, bedroom window um, and we often just kind of like chuck a mattress out there and then hop out there and watch the sunset um, and we got the last of the last of last night's beers the last of the rider from the night before and hopped out and watched the sunset whilst listening to like cinematic fi film theme tunes <laughs> um, and it was just like a really cool moment we both got drunk up there um and then it kind of like crawled in at about kind of like midnight um and i just picked up my battered acoustic guitar in the little room that i always write and the song just kind of fell out of me and it just yeah it just happened like that really naturally yeah no lovely story you're, you're really nice um and uh yeah obviously um those days of circles in a field are long gone uh and you touched on yeah. it earlier uh, obviously with new album comes touring not just the shows that you're playing now with, with frank but mm. you have got a headline tour coming up in december um you know what should fans expect from that tour from you guys i'm so excited because we've spent um so much of this year being a support band which is um so cool and really fun the best thing about being a support band is you get in front of new people and you get to win people over and you're kind of um a guest at somebody else's party um now with a headline tour um we get to throw our own parties which is really <laughs> cool which means our set gets to be um a little bit longer and instead of just being um our support set is just kind of party 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 like that it's like because like, you get um we get 40 minutes at the moment and it's just about you're there to warm up for another band that's what your job is to do um and this one, we get to bring the show in different directions. We get to play some of our heaviest stuff. Like we've got a song called Spirals that we're going to play. But we also take get to bring the show into a kind of like um, more personal. The new album. Um, and the best thing about kind of like throwing your own party and doing your own headline tour is that you get to pick who's coming on the road with you as well. Um, and we've got two amazing acts coming around the UK with us. We've got a band called Tundra, um, who are from Barry St. Edmunds, who we started around the same time. Um, and I've loved their music for so long. It's kind of like punky, kind of surfy kind of stuff. But then you see them play live and they're just a straight up punk band. They're so exciting. Um, and then we've got a lady called Bridget, who's touring for the second half of the tour with us, um, who's kind of... Um, it's almost like uh, it feels like like 90s grungy kind of music but then kind of feels really really modern as well um, and she duetted on a song called The Argument on the new album uh, which means that we're going to be able to play that live together as well which is really cool um, and then so we're touring all the way around the UK and then it's finishing in Colchester which is my hometown at a 400 cap sold out show um and we've got a band called oxbow lake like an acoustic duo opening and then my favorite local band called ecto peach that uh, uh playing second and then third um a guy called sean mcgowan who's there with his band who's a songwriter that i've loved and kind of who's inspired me for so many years um and then that's the last show of the year and that's going to be a real kind of like reflection on like the 150 or odd gigs that we've played this year and kind of like just touring the world and finishing in our hometown 
uh, yes, it's going to be amazing, Paul. It's, it's the yeah. tour that I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, and that Colchester show in particular, uh, I know you've said, you know, in other you know, interviews, um, you know, playing that venue as a Colchester act is kind of, um, you know, showing again, almost like that I made it moment, you know. It's, yeah, it's sure. Big deal. And obviously, you know, Sean McGowan, an amazing artist, um, obviously is going to be playing with you. Oxbow Lake, who you actually um, plugged on the Discover New Music podcast when we talked with you. Oh, and, of course, yeah. And we have subsequently had them on that very podcast. Um, oh, that's so, so cool. So that is going to be a great show, and Ectopetch as well. And um, yeah, Tundra and Bridget are both acts that um, uh, mm -hmm. I've caught live um over the last year or so no way um, yeah so obviously oh. listeners you know clearly you know johnny you've got great taste and support acts and listeners you know, <laughs> mainly head to a show definitely because you know pet needs are gonna smash it but get there early and check out the supports as well would be my message oh 100 like yeah they're gonna be amazing that's so good so excited to play with them yeah, uh, and another date I noticed on the tour, I suppose, that will have some sentimental value, as you mentioned, yeah, with Rock City earlier, uh, is Bodega in um, Nottingham mm. as well. I'm sure you're looking forward to that one. I cannot wait. We played there earlier in the year, um, and it was our first time playing Nottingham, and the venue sold out, and it was just, I think still to this day, is the most nuts headline show we've ever played, especially because the venue, the sound's amazing, the lights are amazing. Um and the crowd just absolutely bought it. It was incredible. It was like like everyone was like crowd surfing and there was strobes going. And it was the first time that we kind of played out of Colchester headlining and had that reaction. Um, and we played Rock City the other day and we were talking to so many people. They're like, I've already got my tickets. It's going to be awesome. Um, so, yeah, that is going to be amazing like i grew up yeah grew up in nottingham and then moved to derby for a little bit and then back to nottingham and those kind of venues kind of rock city rescue rooms the Vega, that kind of like little strip of venues um always going to be so close to my heart and it's one of my favorite venues on the tour so yeah it's gonna be awesome man yeah no excellent and, and everyone listening as i say lots of opportunities to catch the bands you've got the remaining dates on the frank tour which is a pretty lengthy tour so that's going on for you know a few more weeks uh you've got the headline tour coming in december um you've got the album that you need to check out um obviously you talked about get on the roof there's a video for that on youtube mm. that listeners should go and check out um and obviously we touched on it uh, on every podcast the best place to do this is obviously you need to follow the band on social media uh, and you can do that with Pet Needs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at uh, We Are Pet Needs, which is That's nice it. and simple for me to read out. I'm glad you got them all the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, thank you again so much, you know, Johnny, for, for giving up your time in the midst of the tour to talk to us. Um, and uh, hopefully listeners will be able to come out and, and check out our show. What would be your final message for the listeners today? Um. I think number two, I said go listen to Oxbow Lake last time. So I think this time I'd say come and party with us on our UK tour and go listen to Ecto Peach because they are my favourite local band at the moment and they are just absolutely incredible. Um, um, Louise, who fronts them, she's fronted quite a few bands over the years and she's always been brilliant, but I've been waiting for her to find the right band that are going to kind of like match that energy and that talent. And um, she's absolutely found it with Ecto Peach. They are amazing. Um, kind of like really kind of creative, punky, indie kind of stuff. Um, also one of the best stage shows I've seen in years. Um, so yeah, go check out uh, Ecto Peach. They are incredible. I've got some amazing videos on YouTube as well. 
Yeah, no, thank you so much, Johnny. I love that every time I talk to you, I get to um, discover a new band myself coming out oh, of it, oh, which nice. is excellent. Um, and obviously, yeah, you know, you've, you've had a, an amazing year um, and obviously, you know, big things on the rise and hopefully for Pet Needs um, in the continued future. And hopefully, you know, album number three, um, you'll get that pen to paper and get that one out as well. Um, I'm so fingers that... crossed. I'm terrified. <laughs> 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 um well excellent um thank you everyone for listening and thank you johnny for joining us oh paul it's been a pleasure mate always a pleasure well thank you everyone for listening i really do hope you enjoyed that chat there with pet needs do pop along to one of their shows and of course check out their album primetime entertainment and if you would please do follow them on social media um you can also follow full pelt on social media we're on facebook at full pelt and on twitter and instagram at full pelt music and finally, if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening. And we will be back very soon with another episode of the Full Pelt Music Podcast. <laughs>